What's going on, family? Welcome to another episode of Family by Heart. As promised, we got some new episodes kicking in here, including today we have a guest, uh, uh, Mr. Simon Ben. He runs a podcast called Thriving Adoptees. And as you'll hear me talk about in the interview, uh, he's over 170 episodes strong, a lot of great resources, interviews that he's covered in his podcast, um, and one I definitely suggest checking out. Uh, He was adopted very early in life, but really didn't start getting into the adoption world and, and how it affects people until really as he got into his uh, 40s and past then. And so we talk a little bit about that, how he got involved, how he started his podcast. And he was a really gracious and wonderful guest. I had to pause a few times because my kids that were supposed to be sleeping uh, woke up from their naps early and kind of came in or interrupted. And he was gracious enough to be patient and allow me to uh, help get them situated. Um, so I thank him again for his time and I thank you for turn for tuning in and checking out this podcast again. It's Simon Ben with thriving adoptees podcast. Enjoy. We're born into our names, but we become family by heart. I'm Dustin Gruss, public speaker and family transition coach. When my wife and I found out in the beginning of 2016, that we weren't going to be able to have our own biological children just seven months into our marriage, we were shook. Little did we know what lied ahead through our journey of infertility, foster care, and where we are now having recently adopted our two beautiful boys. What we do know is every little bit of help we got along the way was priceless. And that's what we can expect with this podcast stories of inspiration and resources to lead you through that journey. From the heartbreak of infertility to the hope and blessings that come with foster care and adoption. We may have different stories, backgrounds, and names, but we're all family here. This is Family by Heart. What's going on, family? Welcome to another episode of Family by Heart. I'm your host, Dustin Gruss. I'm very excited for our guest today, as he is a podcaster over from the UK, and he has a podcast that's over 170 episodes strong, and it is about adoption families and adoptees thriving in their new environment, and or in their life, really, and uh so without further ado, Simon, Ben, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Dustin. Thank you for having me on the show. Um, I'm literally off the back of recording two uh, podcasts myself as, as hosts. So I'm looking forward to change, putting a different hat on and, and being a guest and a resource for, your, uh, for you and your listeners today. So totally excited. Well, we're excited to have you. So thank you so much. Um, we and speaking of that, like, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Because I know from our pre-interview talk last week, uh, you said you started out being a guest on a bunch of podcasts. Um, what led you to start doing that, and then what led you then to starting your own podcast, which again is over 170 episodes strong? I believe I just checked before we came on, and you 
just released 176 today. Right. Yeah. Um, so what led me to be a guest? Well, uh, that's a long story. Um, <laughs> I, I guess I, I learned a load of stuff uh, about who we are, how our feelings and thoughts work and how we thrive. I learned a load of stuff and decided that I wanted to share it with other people. And I tried, uh, over, so over a period of about 10 years, I tried different things. And eventually, I decided to come into the adoption, the, the adoption world and see if I could make a difference there. Mm. The first thing that I thought about how I could do that was uh, sharing my stories and sharing my learnings on, on adoption podcasts. That was mm. so that was November 2020, I think. I started mm. doing that. I really enjoyed it. And I was talking to a mentor of mine uh, probably four months later and I was sharing, sharing that I'd been doing it and that I enjoyed it. Um, and she said to me, it's time to do your own podcast, Simon. And I said, initially I said, no, it's... I can't. I can't do the editing. I don't know. I don't do it. I had loads of reasons not to do it. And she said, "Simon, just do it." And I still resisted. And then she said, "Simon, just do it." And and then I went, "Okay, I'll do it." And and that's what I started doing straight away. And I found that I loved, I, I loved uh, guesting. Sorry, I loved hosting as much as I loved guesting. So nice. I mean, you must because, again, if you started out being a guest in 2020, here we are midway through 2022 and you're already 170 episodes deep, 176 to be exact. Like, you know, that's a lot of, a lot of content, a lot of guests, a lot of interviews that you've been doing. And, and here you are still having time for the little guys that are just, you know, you're, I think, going to be episode 12 on on this podcast for me. So the fact that you're just cranking out that, that uh, information, everything that that's awesome that you are doing something that you love and doing it to have an impact on the adoption world. So yeah. thank you for all that you do. Thank you. I love having the conversations and um, I'm pretty full on and the quality of the conversations is more important to me than anything else. Mm -hmm. um, I, I just happen to be throwing myself into this hook, line, and sinker to um, make a difference in, in the world. And also I realized that I've got my perspective, but what I wanted to do with my podcast was share as many different perspectives and share as many different learnings as I possibly could. Um, and I... I, you know, you said we contact you contacted me through a um, through a uh, some kind of podcasting hosts networking conversation thing, thing. yeah, um, yeah. And I just said yes. I, I would have I would have said yes if you hadn't done any episodes. Mm. I would have said yes if you'd done two hundred. Um, it, it's it's the quality of the conversation and the. Um, the relationships that I build with people and the quality of the people that I, and I seem to converse with it, that just gladdens my heart and makes my day. So 
that's why I do it. Absolutely. And and I I really enjoyed our pre-interview conversation because not only did you and I give each other some more resources and nuggets to look into other people to contact and interview, but just our conversation there was pretty deep that I was like, man, we, sh- we should have been recording that. So hopefully we'll recreate some of that magic here and stuff with, but you're someone that's very easy to talk to and, and uh, hopefully you feel likewise. So I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, continuing on this, this podcast and continuing on, you know, maybe we'll continue to uh, interact over the years as both of our podcasts grow and, and just see where we're at in different stages of everything. I, I hope so. I hope so, my friend. And um, it is it is about the magic, right? Yeah. Uh, things change magically. Mm-hmm. Um, that it, it's 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 not about it's not about the psychology. It's not about the trauma. It's about the magic that gets us past the trauma, gets the yeah. magic past past the logistics. And so, yeah. yeah, let's let's create some magic. Absolutely. Now, it seems like uh, each season or a number of episodes uh, that you do kind of in a row, they seem to have a theme sometimes behind them, like the different type of guests, like the their backgrounds that they come from. Um, they seem to have a common thread. But what would you say your main goal behind your podcast was at the beginning of when you launched it? launched it and has it evolved over time with all the guests and different backgrounds, practices and belief systems that they've brought to your podcast. Okay. Um, first off, I kind of, I noticed I did do a kind of like a string of three podcasts, Mm -hmm. three episodes from different coaches. Other than that, I haven't really been aware of, uh, any, any themes. So that's an interesting one. Uh, has my uh, ha- has my ob- has my objective changed? No, um, my okay. objective has always been about interviewing guests to find out what they've learnt about how adoptees thrive to help adoptive parents. And adult adoptees listening. I, I don't think that that's changed since I started it. Probably, probably one one thing that has changed is I had in my mind a kind and and in the early episodes it was twenty. I had this notion in my head about being eighty twenty. So this Pareto's law thing that some Roman Latin guy discovered ages ago. story and 80% learnings. And and I'd say now that I've shifted that on and I would say that I I want the podcast to be maybe 5% story and Mm. 95% learnings. So my frame, where I'm always coming from is what what have you learned that you want to share with others? And, Mm. and, and and, And it's learnings first. And the, the learnings, and the stories are embedded in the learnings rather than the learning being learnings being embedded in the stories. Mm. Uh, that's definitely a, a deep way to look at it. Um, and we're definitely going to get to the learning side of thing. 
um, I would like to dive into your story a little bit more um, because I think a big part, again, why you do this is from your story um, and the lessons you learned along the way. So um, I, you were adopted at five weeks old. Correct. At what age did your parents tell you that you were adopted? Um, I was I was so young, I don't even remember being told. They, okay. I've known for as long as I can remember. So I'm um, guessing one and a half. My, they, my parents adopted my little sister. Um, okay. Uh, when I was, just before I was two, actually. So I'm going to ask my mum, actually. I'll, I'll be speaking to her later. So I'm going to ask her, when did you tell me? I, I do know how they told me. So they told me with a they told me with a storybook, uh, and mm. it's a story of a, a couple that um, fell in love, got married, um, uh, bought a house together, and uh, adopted to. I think they I think they got some pets, and then they got then they adopted some kids. So it it um, it normalised, obviously. This is in this well, not obviously, but I'm fifty. So I didn't say I'm fifty-five, right? So this is in this in the sixties. I was adopted in um, uh, early February sixty-seven. So mm-hmm. the book is would be pretty dated by now, but it, it, it normalized. It, it made what is an abnormal way of growing a, a, a non-usual way of growing a family into something that was normalized, so that there was no there was no shame in it. Mm. Uh, so that's, that's how they told me. Um, one, do you remember the name of the book? Even though it's, it's kind of old. It's out of print. I think it's called, I think it's called Mr. Fairweather and his family. I think it's called that. Mr. Fairweather. Um, okay. Might but I think to, it's out of print. Might have to check, check around Amazon or eBay or something for that afterwards. So, um, did you, and your family have uh, celebrate what's known as sometimes as a, a gotcha day at all, like the day that you were adopted, or it was just kind of your normal birthdays and that was it. Birthdays and that was it. Okay, because I know I had some friends growing up that had had gotcha days, um, and we recognize our our gotcha day with our kids. Although we haven't gotten to the one year anniversary of it yet, um, as far as their official adoption, but. Now that's something I, I just recall growing up with a, a, a friend that uh, he never had perfect attendance at school because his parents always pulled him from school on his gotcha day, on their adoption day, and they went out to amusement parks or movies or they just had a big day out together. And, and I just always thought that was pretty cool. Um, now, you say the book kind of normalized adoption for you. Um, did you grow up with any prejudices or stigma attached to you because you were adopted? Did your friends treat you differently or did other adults, as far as you could tell, treat you differently because you were adopted or not did talk. the book really normalize it for you? Uh, well, I'm using the word, the book normalized it for me now. I mean, I, it, it, it was just life, you know, it was, mm-hmm. it, it was, it was the way that, um, I didn't, it was the way that I was, I saw life. It, I didn't have, um, 
I don't have any recollection of any um, tricky stuff around that. Gotcha. Yeah, I think um, a lot of times, especially here in the United States, a lot of the stigma is attached more to foster kids than it is adopted kids. Or I think it's attached more to uh, biracial adoption. Um, Like I know my wife, because we adopted two black kids, she gets looks when she's out in public with the kids in certain neighborhoods and areas uh, and grocery stores um, that aren't quite as affluent. And she gets stares and looks, whereas uh, I don't really get those. Now, it could be because I'm 6'1 and over 230 pounds, and so people probably don't want to mess with me or say anything to anger me or give me a dirty look, but um, she sees or experiences that a little bit more. And you hear that a lot more about biracial families because of uh, adoption and stuff. And, and you'll be surprised, like some of the questions that you sometimes get. Um, I, I just recently, a, a few weeks ago, was getting the kids chicken nuggets from a, a drive through uh, restaurant and and the girl that was you know serving us like at, at the drive through, uh, she was young and you know so she probably didn't know much better. But you know when I told her <laughs> that you know well yeah we we adopted the boys that are sitting in the back seat. And she's like well why'd you want to do that like like what do you mean why we wanted kids we wanted to love kids like they're our children, what do you mean? Why did you want to do that? Like, it was just weird. And I don't think she really meant anything by it, but it's, it was still just kind of an odd question, you know? Yeah. Um, I think, uh, yeah, people are pretty insensitive and me too, right? I'm, I'm insensitive too. Sometimes I ask some silly questions. Um, I think I, I uh, I'm, I was just trying to think what would I what would I uh, what would I say to you if I saw you you know if I didn't know you right? well, let's say walking down the street uh, you know a, a, a white guy would say two hundred twenty pounds with two um, hmm. like kids I think uh, well, I wouldn't ask I wouldn't ask you a person I, I I would think I would probably find it surprising actually. Um, mm-hmm. But would I ask you why, if I got into a conversation, would I ask you why? No, I wouldn't ask you why. I, but, you know, I can, I'm sure that I'm, well, I've been called up, uh, I've been called out on being insensitive by, by a particular friend of mine or a couple of friends of mine. So I know that I sometimes like that. And I think for me, we're, we're always, most of us, uh, well, we, we do as well as what's going on for us in the moment, right? And when we mm-hmm. when we know better, we do better. But most of the time, we don't know what we're doing, do we? We're just like fumbling through life. We we're struggling, and yeah. if we're struggling, if we're struggling, it shows in our behaviour. And if it's struggling, like um, a, a friend of mine at the moment is struggling, and he's apologised for his behaviour. And hopes we can move on. I'm thinking, well, I, I know that I know you're struggling, buddy. So, 
um, it's okay with me. Uh, I can I can handle it. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you you if I and I, I haven't really got, I'm not sure if I've got the guts to say this to him or not, but he needs to get some help. So yeah. I'm quite happy to be his friend, but whether I see him for a longer period of time going forward will depend on whether whether he uh, whether he changes or not. I, I don't want. I'm not. Right. I, don't, I don't need an apology from him. I, I'm hoping that it will. There'll be some change. Right. Yeah. I- Actions speak louder than words. So you need more of a change from him than you need an apology. Yeah, I don't need an apology for him because I don't. I know that people are doing, me included, are doing as well as we can, given mm-hmm. what's going on for us in the moment. So that that's the way life. That's kind of the way life works. And you know, I'm sometimes a, an idiot too. My, my wife well, will tell you about that stuff. So. <laughs> <laughs> and well. And not only is it sometimes what we say can be insensitive or uh, just to loosely use the term ignorant because we don't know any better because we weren't taught or aren't aware, but sometimes it could be the other side, like where maybe someone's not necessarily looking at my wife and the kids that way, or they're not looking at me and the kids that way. It's we're just overly sensitive. So it's a matter of the people other people being insensitive and us being oversensitive and that sometimes will create yeah. those conflicts as well. And, uh, and like I said, I think people are just, it's a matter of learning and, and accepting and, um, you know, it's one thing if someone apologizes, great. Like, thank you for the apology. Like, you know, I, I realize you're in a tough spot, but, if it's something that you have to apologize for again and again and again, then you're not, then your apology is less sincere. It's more becoming a matter of your actions, again, speaking louder than your words. And because you're not taking action to correct the thing that you have to keep apologizing for, then we have an issue. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it is. Um, it's just, uh, as you were, describing the situation and saying uh, a couple of minutes ago talking about the difference between you and you and your wife that the 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 issue of sensitivity did come into my head um i I was talking to a guy a couple of weeks ago who's going to be coming hopefully going to be coming on the podcast a great guy and he was talking about how um there there is a we seem to be living in a world where we are a lot of people are competing to be ha- in terms of how triggered we can be. Mm-hmm. So people are looking for reasons, and social media um, spreads this. So Facebook, the Facebook algorithm, knows that um, anger, uh, angry posts or posts that provoke anger, are the ones that spread the fastest, right? Yeah. Spread the widest. And what Facebook one is more page views. More page views leads to more revenue, more revenue, ad, ad revenue, more ad revenue leads to more profit. So yeah. 
Google made, I, I don't know Facebook's figures, but I, saw, I read something over the weekend. Google made $150 billion or $250 billion on ads last year. So it, that's why this this whole thing is, it, it's like, um, it's an, like an angry race. It's like mm-hmm. a, it's an arms race. It's a race to be triggered. It's a competition about how triggered we are. Well, our our response is our response, right? Mm-hmm. So it's whether we react or whether we whether we we react in anger or we respond with uh, humility. So I'm not angry about my mate struggling. Not angry. I'm hopefully I'm responding in that in, in this instance, right? I'm responding with humility. Yeah. But I but but I I, I won't be un, until I see some change rather than apology. I won't be looking to spend be spending and be, be spending extended periods of time with it. Yeah. Well, as far, yeah, as far as the people you have spent time with, especially on your podcast, I'm going to give you uh, a small chance to to brag or name drop, being the term here. Um, there are a lot of highly successful and or like famous people that have come out of foster care and or adoption. Who is like the most famous person you've interviewed? And who is someone you've interviewed that you feel has made the largest impact when it comes to the world of adoption? Um, who, who is your who's your white whale that you've had on your your podcast? I, so far? I um I, I don't I wouldn't know where to answer that question. I, I, I can I can I answer a different question. Absolutely. So the 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 episode that opened my eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the widest and was the biggest learning for me was one by a, an adoptive foster adoptive mum of sorry I'm embarrassed to know she's got loads of kids she's got eight or nine kids I think mm-hmm. called Holly and Petri she she um, uh, she came up with the title for her podcast of unpacking our own baggage as adopted mm. parents and it, it it really opened my eyes because i had an it, any relationship starts with us mm-hmm. so it it it's a it's about i i can't influence my wife i can influence my what i do but i can't influence what my wife does so it starts with me so and like emotional intelligence starts with us. It's about how we are, and you know how we are, who we're being, how who who we're being, um, our our mood, our outlook, um, our whole thing. It's about us. Uh, it starts with us, and 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 the the kids are gonna take our lead. So it starts with us, and and that's what uh, the lesson that I learned from Holly Ann, and she runs so she runs an uh, you know foster adoption agency, and that was the lesson that landed for her. It was about her and unpacking her own baggage, 
and when she shared that with me, I thought that is so powerful because it is all about us. And I, that was last year. And recently this year, I interviewed somebody again for the podcast. Um, I'm sorry, I can't remember who it was now. Uh, but she said that adoptive parents come to her asking how they can fix their kids. And it's not about fixing the kids. It's about um, us first. All right. Um, no, those are those are great answers as far as guests, impactful guests that you've had. Um, that I'm definitely going to check out the podcast of that first woman you mentioned. Um, and you know, between our uh, pre-interview talk last week and then today, like you know, I've gone back and listened to the the episodes of people you've mentioned and stuff. And it's again, uh, thriving adoptees is like. If you are getting into the world of foster care adoption, like check out Simon's podcast because he's got amazing guests on there and it's just amazing podcast full of resources. So be sure to check it out. Um, and I, I kind of had a feeling that was going to be your answer. I, you know, I was kind of that you were going to say is more about the people that have opened your eyes and made an impact. I had a feeling about you. That's going to be, and I, I knew you weren't going to really brag about, okay, this is the famous person. It's someone that really opened your eyes. And those are really the kind of guests that you want to have are the ones that do open your eyes to different parts of the system. Um, so yeah. I, there's I, another couple, another couple I could name check. Um, uh, from my curiosity point of view, and also bearing in mind, um, you're, you've adopted you and your wife have adopted two black kids. Uh, the the transracial adoption piece you've mentioned it uh, it adds another layer of complexity. Um, there's two two fantastic podcasts. One by episodes one with uh, Isaac Etter, um, E double mm-hmm. E double T E R, and um, Nathan Ross. Uh, two uh, transracial black transracial adoptees uh, and and their, and their stories and what and, and what they have learned and what they've come through uh, both if I remember correctly out of um, out of foster care uh, and just great 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 uh, uh, great episodes also there's um, uh, Zach from uh, Adoption Star. Who runs? Kind of runs. He's, I, I remember he's number one or number two in the agency that his his mum founded. Um, another mm-hmm. transracial adoptee. So, as a white guy adopted by white uh, parents, I have no lived experience of obviously of, of that that issue. So, I'm always trying to bring different different learnings, stuff outside of my uh, outside of. Because I think lived experience is, is the is the key to opening all this stuff. Uh, Absolutely. And and, and, I, and, I, and just to finish off slightly on that, there's a there's I've done two I've recorded two podcasts that I've not released, and one of them mm. was, uh, was uh, 
one of them was just there was no light at the end of the tunnel and uh, and the second one was somebody who was talking in way way abstract organizational systematic systemic changes and i kept on trying to bring her around to a more practical and focused approach and uh, and, and she didn't she didn't have the lived experience to be able to talk meaningfully about it her, her stuff was theory and i don't want theory i want practice and i want i want learnings from real life for my listeners absolutely absolutely especially Ed, as someone who's a living experience i completely agree with that all right um so during our uh pre-interview talk last week, you mentioned that uh, we, we talked a little bit about trauma and um, that you had a traumatic reaction at 40 when you found out your teddy bear was actually from your bio mom. What means did you use to process the trauma and did it lead to other discoveries about your biological mom? Um, yeah, uh, well, the first thing is, and I'm, I'm not, I, it may seem like I'm splitting hairs here, but I didn't, I'm not splitting hairs. So, um, I found out on my 40th birthday that the teddy bear was from my birth mom, right? And my First, my initial reaction to it was, oh, that's kind of funny. That's kind of strange that they told me that I was adopted, but they didn't tell me that the teddy bear was from my birth mum, right? No. When my, um, when I was talking to, I was talking to my mum about this a few months ago and she said, well, we actually did tell you. So there you are. That's an interesting one that they did tell me that it's from her. Um, and so, yeah, my in- my instant reaction was one of curiosity. I thought that's kind of strange. It wasn't until a couple of months ago when I was talking to to a, a friend of mine about this uh, about um, about the teddy bear that I had this uh, uh, volcanic eruption of anger came out of me, uh, directed towards my well. Yeah, directed towards my birth mother. So what I said was, and I won't, I won't swear, but I did swear at the time. Um, she didn't love me enough to keep me. She gave me the teddy bear, and the teddy bear was a consolation prize. Mm. So um, there's there's two react there's there's, there's there's two meanings given to the same story, the same fact, right? The same fact. There's two reactions to the same fact, um, and so. Now, if I look on, if I look back on this, I will say, uh, bearing in mind I'm fifty-five now, so this is fifteen years ago that this happened. I would say that, um, and I don't, I don't, I've never ever quoted Shakespeare before. I don't understand Shakespeare; it's all far too complicated for me. I'm not into that sort of stuff at all. However, he said something like, um, "Nothing is either good or bad." Only our, only the meaning that we give it makes it so, right? So 
curiosity about not being told about the teddy bear being from a birth mother and then anger two months later anger directed towards my birth mother um and so but i'm really glad that that happened because it kick-started my kind of learning journey and led me to where we are today so essentially i had um around that time um i'd finally got to what i thought was some kind of uh, business success and that had made me happy and and then i i i figured that maybe adoption had um uh, screwed me up really so uh, I, and i was looking for where I, I, my antennae were up my antennae were up and i was thinking where am i going to find happiness um and 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 that's kind of what i've been exploring since since then really now the other thing in that that we discussed in the in the pre-interview um was the idea of being of society being trauma obsessed versus hope obsessed and so you had an interesting take on that if you wouldn't mind sharing that yeah. ideology yeah um so my uh, bus- business caused a uh, caused me has caused me a lot more upset than trauma. Uh, that's just m- m- my experience. But the uh, a- a- adoption has caused me heartache and trauma. If if you if you want to use that word, when I started believing what I was reading. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sensitive, susceptible kind of a guy. So I, I, um, I, I take stuff in. I, I'm not, I don't question a lot. I'm quite um, easily influenced, should we say, yeah? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I started reading The Primal Wound and I thought, this explains everything. Mm-hmm. And then I realized... Uh, uh, a few months later that um, that I, I didn't believe that the, the primal wound had happened. I didn't believe that I was wounded. I believe I, I, I realized that I'd felt wounded, but who I truly am at my essence is unwoundable. And mm. so my, uh, that, that was probably seven, six, seven years ago when I, I, I saw that. When I came into the adoption space doing the podcast, I realized that there was a, a tra- there seemed to be a trauma obsession. Mm. And um, I believe my, you used the word ideology. Um, I, I believe that we should be trauma informed and hope obsessed uh, because we need to know the effects of trauma. And at the same time, we need to know, we need to realize that uh, adoptees are not their trauma and um, no person is their trauma trauma is depending on how you view it something that happened to, to you to, to us uh, a traumatic event or it's a feeling 
that is kind of remembered within us, uh, within our bodies about the traumatic event that happened. But we are not our trauma. We we there's uh, um, we are we are not. Uh, we are not what has happened to us. We are, because that's in the past and it's an event, it's not who we are. We are not our our feelings because our, our feelings come and go. So they're not, as do our thoughts, so they are not essential to us. They are something that we have, not something that we are. And... And I, that's one of the things I love what you said there about we are not our trauma. And one of my past guests uh, talking about foster kids, they aren't foster kids. They are kids in foster care is one of the, the quotes you shared. And, and we're not, you know, like thriving adoptees. Like, you know, you are a child. You're an adult that was adopted. You weren't an adopted child like you know what i mean like the correlation there like it's it's just a part of your story it's not who you are is kind of what what you are yeah. getting to in the point there none of us are our story mm -hmm. um uh, there's a lady that said at the uh have you heard of um byron katie she people call her katie um uh, one of her questions is, "Who would we be without our story?" Well, we are not. We're not our story. We're not. We're not what happened to us. Uh, but we. But we think we are. Right. Me too. I'm. I'm. Um, uh, I, I'm uh, embroiled. I'm, I'm. I'm hooked into the drama of, for example, how my podcast is doing. Right. I'm. I'm, I'm hooked. I'm. I'm embroiled into that story. I'm. I'm. I'm consumed by relationships in my life the stuff that's going on in my head all these things but all these things aren't what i am so uh, to make it really crystal clear um if we're doing this on uh, if we're going to do this bit on video just two shakes so um if if you're listening to this on on audio um, not rather than watching me, you can see I'm holding up a I'm holding up a, a fist, right? Because a lot of adoptive parents tell me that their kids are angry, right? So I'm I'm holding up a a a, a, a clenched fist, and that fist for me is the um, a symbol of the anger and the trauma and the fear and the um, desire to lash out, which I have done in in the past when I felt cornered or questioned, I, I felt um, that I wanted to lash out. So the, the the fist is the anger, right? And and, mm -hmm. and that's the metaphor. That's a metaphor for uh, the trauma. So fist equals trauma in simple terms. Fist is and and trauma are. Uh, traumatic events, traumatic feelings, traumatic thoughts. Trauma is the fist. Inside my fist, as I open it up, you'll see a glass diamond. 
it ain't a real diamond because it would be worth about I don't know <laughs> five million bucks, four million quid. Right. Who knows? It, it it's a little diamond that I got off um, Amazon for for seven pounds, so about eight dollars fifty. And um, underneath all the trauma, uh, underneath all the traumatic events that we've been through, and um, so some people might say that adoption is traumatic, right? Uh, or the the neglect and and uh, and and the hardship that kids have been um, subjected to before they were in foster care. All the feelings in in all of our heads uh, of insecurity and anger, and all the thoughts in our heads that we're not good enough is the truth of who we are, and the truth of who we are is that diamond, um, and that's my obsession is the perfection of who we are mm. hope obsessed perfection mm-hmm. obsessed true identity obsessed rather than focusing on the trauma i love that that's beautiful thank you um and i think to kind of go with that like it's it's while we're not our story and it's not necessarily our story shapes us, it's how we react. It's how we find hope that shapes us. It's, it's the actions we take after the trauma. And, and sometimes we need a little help with, with that and, and, and finding the hope and that's nothing wrong with that. And have, have you seeked help um, as far as, uh, dealing with your emotions as as an adult, as things like the teddy bear started to uh, kind of you that anger kind of spiked up a couple months after you realized that with the teddy bear, or was it, um, or has the podcast been what's helped you process a lot of the uh, what your story was to help uh, um, bring I, you I, that I, hope I, and be I, that done. I've done a lot of work on myself uh, and I continue to do a lot of work on myself. So, uh, I, or, so I, I listen to audio books and podcasts um, whilst I'm walking the dog for an hour and a quarter in the morning and, and when I'm ever in, in the car on my own. So I, I probably consume about, uh, listen to stuff, uh, to help me understand who I am an hour and three quarters a day. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and I've been, I've done a lot of work on myself over the last 15 years. Yeah. Coaching courses, audio books. Um, uh, yeah. Mentoring. I've done a little bit of therapy. Didn't really didn't really work for me. Didn't didn't therapy because the therapist just wanted to drag me back into the past rather than help me. But I've had a lot of coaching. Um, however, the therapist did lead me to a, a, a huge um, a huge step forward, which was tracing my birth mother, um, and who I, unfortunately I found out eventually she she died. But I got my adoption file 
uh, and that helped me. There was a letter in, in that file about the teddy bear, which helped me realize that the story in my head, the story that she didn't love me enough to keep me, was complete and utter rubbish. It was it, it was a hundred percent fiction, right? Stories. The voice in our head, it's it's lies. The voice the voice in our head is a liar. Um but kind of luckily it, it it's not who we are. Well, you, you answered one of my next questions there, um, and I'll wrap it up soon because I've taken a lot of your time, especially with a couple pauses we had to take. But um, the fact that, you know, you did seek out your your birth mom. I did. Um, have you looked into, like, any of the uh, other family tree, like, program stuff to see if there's other family members that you might have any other biological family because uh my dad actually has uh we discovered probably about 15 years ago um we met his long lost half sister and so our family tree grew like a whole big branch and so now I have these other cousins and un- uncle and aunt and stuff that's a lot of fun so have you explored or do you have uh more biological family out there that you've looked yeah. for or gotten to meet or I've um uh I found out that my birth mother uh had had died. I suspected that was the case, but I found out from her her brother, so my biological mm. uncle. Um I swapped a few letters with him. The first letter I got back from him sorry, when I I, I sent it's a, it's a long story. Um, how should I shortcut it? Yeah, um, I, I put my phone number and my email uh, and all that sort of stuff on on the letter that I sent to him, and I just got a let I got a letter back a few months later. So I figured he's not really up for conversation. Uh, I did send a letter to a guy who I think is my um, biological father and he never responded so mm. i didn't i didn't pursue that it didn't it it was never really about him in in my head anyway it was about my um, biological mom um all right so last two questions one uh from all the people you've interviewed and looked at adoption from different angles do you see an overall common thread for the adoptees and the adopt adopted families to thrive, to be the thriving adoptees and thriving adoption families? What what do you think is like the common thread for you know your your one suggestion for anyone that's realizing or going through the experience of having adopted someone or and or someone that was adopted? Discover who you are. Explore who you are. So it's about, um, it's not about what happened. It's not about what happens to us. It's not about our feelings about what's happened to us. 
It's not about our thoughts. It's about what's what's underneath all that. So um, the the diamond rather than the trauma. So understanding understanding who we understanding who we are, uh, and uh, as a, a big clue is that we're not the voice in our head that tells us that we're not good enough. Because I've done before I, before I did started the podcast, I did all this work that I all this I found I found very little in in any adoption books that gave me any hope whatsoever. I didn't think the adoption was didn't think that was my problem I thought my problem lay elsewhere so I studied our feelings and thoughts and all that sort of stuff and identity outside the adoption space and I what I found was that nobody thinks that they're good enough either so that seems to be the central human part of central a central theme of the human condition that we don't think we're good enough so we're not good enough because we're adopted or we're not good enough because we're too fat we're too thin we're too tall we've got ginger hair we didn't have our own biological kids we're not good enough parent we we are a biological we, we are a biological parent but we're still not a good enough parent nobody thinks that they're good enough everybody we all believe the voice in our heads and and and, uh, and that isn't who we are. You're on the pet subject here, so I'm I'm uh, I'm, I'm riffing quite freely on that. I don't know if that makes sense. No, I I think that is a perfect answer, and I think there's definitely something for that, even for the the bullies or the people that are full of themselves or looking down on other people and stuff. Uh, still a large part of that comes from insecurities that they are experiencing themselves. So I think that's true that you have to find who you are and, um, and really recognize and celebrate that. And, and also I think it's our, our calling in life to help others that feel lost or are lost and help them see who they are and celebrate that as well. Help them celebrate and recognize and lift each other up, not bully each other, tear each other down or impose our will on other people. It's celebrating our uniqueness, our individuality, our heritage, our background it, and where we want to go uh, as individuals, as families, as society. Um, it's, really just trying about trying to lift each other up and encourage each other. So I think, and it all has to start with discovering who you are, like you said. So I think that's a perfect answer. So uh, before I came into the adoption space, I did do a lot of work in elementary schools and bullying. And it was all about helping kids be happy. Right. And what I discovered was that bullying is the number one cause of kids unhappiness. Mm. And what and I was bullied badly at, at, at um, as a kid. So, what bullies make it about us, and therefore we think there's something wrong with us, right? Mm. 
so for me, it was buck teeth, uh, all sorts of different things, you know, having teeth that stuck out and uh, 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 other stupid things, not drinking tea, um, not being, <laughs> having, uh, so a lot of, uh, a lot of bullying, a lot of the bullying I suffered was on um, camp, right? So I, I wasn't a good, I didn't have very good camp skills on in scouts, right? Um, so the bully made it about me. And that's what bullies do. They make it about us. So we take it personally. And the number one thing to realize is, uh, well, yeah, the number one thing to realize is actually it's about them. Bullies, bullies have been through trauma, uh, or bullies are feeling insecure, and bullies have been have learned to bully because they've become victims, and they take it out on us. It's not they make it about us when it's about them. And the second thing about bullies, uh, second thing about bullies is, uh, or, or reaction to reacting to bullies is to realise that. Feelings are an inside job. They come from with within us, uh, and they don't come from the outside world. So, um, so much talking about triggering. I get it, uh, and feelings are an inside job. Most of the time, we're not choosing how we how we're feeling as human beings. And that's okay because if we if we're not choosing how we feel, it's not our fault. Hmm. Absolutely. Well, with that being said, um, where can people find out more about you and your your podcast and what what's next for you? Is there anything more in the works for you other than the podcast or like? you know, taking your experiences into a, a, a book of any sort, or is it more just you love the podcast, you love guesting, and where can people find you? So um, they can Google thriving thriving adoptees, um, or they can put thriving adoptees into, um, into the Apple search bar or Spotify, wherever they get their podcast, thriving adoptees. Uh, Lots, as you said, 176 episodes. Uh, lots on that. Mainly, some some for adoptees, mainly for adopted parents. What's next for me? More speaking and more speaking engagements. More, yes. yeah, more speaking. Uh, I'm I'm not writing a, a book yet. I did start a book last year. I started it three times. I got to 10,000 words each time around that, um, and. I felt, well, I realized one day on the back of something that somebody said to me that I actually prefer talking to writing. And everybody says, well, once you've got a book, you've got to get out there and promote it. And you've got to, you know, and so the, the, book the, the books don't sell themselves. So I figure um, I prefer talking to writing at the moment. I'm sure it'll change. I will write a book at some stage, but. Well, I will uh, look forward to that day when it does. And if you make it stateside for any of those speaking engagements, I would love to uh, connect with you as well. Um, and I just hope our magic continues. And it was just so wonderful speaking with you and having you 
on today and uh, just wish you nothing but the best continued success as you approach 200 episodes and then 276 and 376 and however many you keep going i just uh really love the resource uh, that you provide and all the different amazing guests you've had on there so far i know you've had some regarding foster care and infertility and and uh so many the different things that it's kind of the space that I'm moving into to occupy. So it's it's great seeing some of the the potential out there with someone that's been doing it like you have and hitting it hard for the last year and a half. So so thank you for that. And thank you for being here today. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity, Dustin. Uh, it's been a delight. Thank you. And for everyone else, like like Simon said, just look into who you are discover that first that's the biggest part and from there you that will be your compass on where you want to go with your life as an adoptee as an adopted whatever it may be because we're born into our names but we become family by heart